This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Hello and welcome to the Theology Gaming Podcast. My name is Zachary Oliver, the owner and proprietor of the Theology Gaming Blog. And with me today are five special guests. And I treat that as nonchalantly as possible because it's going to be a total mess. <laughs> First up, we have Joshua Collar. Hi. Oh, hello and welcome. Next, we have Ted Loring. Hi. Hi there, everybody. Wildman Ted here. Next, we have Matt Eiler. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Next, we have Cow Prime. Also known as Jonathan R. Clausen. Hi. Welcome to the world of tomorrow. <laughs> and lastly, we have Nelson from VideoGamesInTheBible.com. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me here. All right, Josh, take it away. What's okay, our subject I, today? Yes, yeah, so um, our subject today is forgiveness. And I want to get into forgiveness really quick, um, but I'm just going to give a quick uh, opportunity for Nelson to just kind of like explain uh, where he's coming from because he's our, he's our new guy and you have to, you have to celebrate the new guys. That's the most important thing to me personally is, is new guys and celebrating and listening. So, Nelson, if you could give us uh, within 30 seconds or somewhere around that time, uh, how did you come to uh, have a website about video games and, and uh, the Bible? And, uh, yeah, what brought you to uh, – how did you get connected with Zach? Um, I was actually on an interview recently where I spent an hour talking about that. So it would yeah. be kind of hard to reduce oh. that to 30 30- to 30 seconds. Um, try. try. First of all, hard. okay, I will try my hardest. Uh, video Games in the Bible is a website that examines and covers video games from a biblical perspective without condemning or attacking the developer, uh, sort of like what Zach does on Theology Gaming. And so recently, I've started offering consulting to independent developers for free, and uh, I've started working with some Christian independent developers doing some really cool stuff. And one of them recommended me to Zach. We started talking. Uh, we ended up talking for three hours, the last hour of which was awkward silence, and here I am. <laughs> That's awesome. So you met through John, uh, through um, sorry, name just complete Justin. Yeah, Fox. Justin Fox, my favorite yeah. Negro. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that is normally very racist. Unless you actually know. But he's Unless you actually know. Justin, we're that's, super hip. That's his. That's his uh, preferred form of communication. So, uh, <laughs> Which is of actually course, him not funny. being on here now makes me look like a racist. Well, actually, yeah, so, that, it's a double racist because I'm also African Oh goodness! And okay. a Negro yeah, I am so apologizing <laughs> to all and everyone. <laughs> Okay, that, so yep. that, that is that, that is a good time. I love that. That is a perfect segue for the first question that I have for the show today. It's not at all. Uh, it, which is, can you think of one time that you were playing a video game and got really offended? I can like, think of one time I was offended on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> of course I'm joking. Uh, does anybody want to take that first? Uh, well, I've had a lot of time to think about it, so I'll go first, if that's okay. Um, yeah, give us my, an idea of what you're thinking of. I might not so, be able to forgive you if you do that, though, I'm Josh. No, oh, oh, you're going to have to work on it, buddy. All so, right. <laughs> the first time, the first thing that I can think of is specifically when I was playing uh, GoldenEye with uh, my uh, my next door neighbor and one of my best friends throughout life, and and ultimately my best man in my wedding, Mr. Adam Espenshade, who oh. uh, after me after me shooting him several times without carrying a weapon. And after screen peeking several times uh, and him getting very mad at me being better than him in GoldenEye, he's just completely freaked out and just started calling me, get out of my house. 
And uh, I think we might need an explicit text for this podcast. <laughs> How many different kinds of slurs can we imagine? It's the Theology Gaming Podcast. <laughs> oh, gosh. Theology uh, Gaming, where we show what Christians are really like. We're really yeah. about that. What a bunch yeah. of crap. So we're probably just going to put the, an explicit tag on this one, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no. In any in any case, no. Seriously, like it was just one of those like we're, we're all like twelve and thirteen years old. You know, we talk like twelve and thirteen year year olds do. Uh, but the the one thing that really hurt me was like this whole aspect of like we're we're just playing a game. I'm just I'm just playing the game the way that the game is designed. And uh, Gold and I just had this really strong tendency to to just kind of like really test our thirteen uh, year old capacity for friendship. <laughs> and uh, I remember walking out of the house and thinking like, I I don't know what I'm going to do with my lo- with myself now. I feel very I, be, I feel very hurt. Uh, so that was that was uh, my most memorable Golden Eye experience. Uh, <laughs> it's a very sad Golden Eye experience. It is no, that, and that, and that, that doesn't clearly convey how much fun that we've had we had playing with the game besides that but um that that was definitely the the time that i uh i think that i this will all come around full circle so you guys um first person to share their offense story from a video game go i was ready um i was playing world of tanks and uh i had recently acquired a panther tank i believe it's called panther and uh it's specifically supposed to be a sniping tank, and uh, I rolled up on this ridge overlooking a huge valley, and uh, the other team was on the, uh, the other side of their mountain. And so I was sitting there sniping, and, and somebody said uh, on the, what is it? Of course, online, everybody's super nice, but... Um, like, oh, get off so, so congenial, yes. Yeah. And I was like, this is a freaking sniping tank. Leave me alone. <laughs> yes, I... I don't know, I just got super offended because uh, I used to be in, like, a just big tiger tank, and now people are making fun of me for playing the way I'm supposed to be. And um, I just get really defensive when uh, when I'm doing what I think's right, and uh, people are telling me I'm being a moron. So um, so that, that's when I got offended, which is kind of a, I don't know, it's kind of a weird thing, but uh, I don't know. No, 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 that's good. That's That's awesome. That's perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. How about you, Ted? Can you think of a time that you were specifically offended in a vid- around a video game experience? Yes, it was in within the last two weeks. I was playing <laughs> Destiny online with a friend of mine. Of course, I'm almost offended by Destiny, honestly, but that's that's another subject. <laughs> um, let, let me guess. He got the purple engram, and you did not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still level 20, and I can't get any higher. But we uh, were playing I'll co-op. send you some of my gear, Ted. Oh, wait, that's right. I can't send you You anything. can't do that. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I do. Go ahead. That's all right. So you know at the end you finish your mission and there's the, the clock is sort of ticking for you to go pick up stuff and, and whatever else. Well, my buddy decided that he was just going to play around with me. My, my, my controller kept vibrating. And I realized he was shooting at me. I was like, what are you doing shooting at me? We're playing co-op. He's like, yeah, but it's fun. It doesn't matter. I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll take this. And so, like, I pull out my rocket launcher, and <laughs> I, he, he is coming toward me with my rocket launcher, and I pull the trigger, and it hits him, but he has some kind of super armor where it doesn't kill him, but the blast of it exploding so close to me <laughs> killed me. <laughs> you can take your own damage, but no friendly fire. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I oh, guess you could say Ted. I could dish it out, but I can't take it. 
That's awesome. Now, that's a that's a pretty uh, shallow example, but that's what I came up with. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. How about you, Nelson? Um, for me, I have I, I've never had like terrible experiences relating to gaming so much. I do have a very terrible experience when it came to a board game, though. Yes, uh, that is just as valid. It's gaming. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm never the one to sort of rage quit on anything else except for one board game, and its name is Risk. Right. So I was going to steal my thunder there for a second. Good job. <laughs> so what, what right. happened? That's a good one to get angry. I mean, I mean, I, I'm sure I could just make it up pretty effectively, but I think it's better if you tell your own story. Risk, uh, like Goldeneye, tested your friendship uh, as uh, your 13 year old friendship. I tested my own my entire family's capacity for friendship. <laughs> so, because it, 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 at first it would be like it's, it's a cool game. Okay, I got Irkutsk, uh, you got Japan, and that, everything was cool. And then pretty soon it started to get really personal. Like, oh, that's a nice Japan you got there. Bang. <laughs> And and so pretty soon my family would break up into factions and then there would be double crosses and nobody wanted to talk to each other. By the end of the night, we just stared at each other across the board. Please That's pass the good. butter. No, you betrayed me. <laughs> you let Japan fall. Um, and so, yeah, uh, another th- that was actually something related to another thing growing up, how um, I've, always, I've, I've always wanted to beat my dad in a video game. And the one time I got close, he paused the game, walked right up to the power cord, and unplugged it from the no. wall. No, I was like, oh man. Ah. So as you can tell, gaming is uh, has been a very has been the thing that has bound our family together so strongly. As a That's father awesome. myself, I can sympathize with your father's plight in that situation. It's 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 demoralizing to have your kid finally <laughs> get to an age where he can beat you with something. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, common experience to all parents who play video games. That's, that's no, because I don't let my son win. I, I beat him into the ground. <laughs> oh, man, you are hor- You know what? I beat my dad and my uncle to death in Mortal Kombat 3. And so frustrated that controllers were thrown against walls. I just uh, had a memory of playing a video game with my son on the GameCube. I don't know what it was. It must have been some fighting game where I, I beat him again. <laughs> Good parenting. You know, life is hard. Better get used to it. But he was so mad, he actually he leaned over and bit me on the arm. <laughs> <laughs> I should try that next time. Yeah, so uh, I turned the game off and I took care of business. <laughs> nice. altercation caused by video games. Oh. <laughs> All right. In, in the spirit of being, t- I'm sorry. Are you done, Ted? Yes. Okay. Cool. Uh, is am I next? Yes. Go. 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 Now. Okay. Go. 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 Okay. Uh, I I have a board game, and uh, Ted inspired me with. Okay. So I have I have a ten year old son. He he has this. Our whole family has this joyous. It's not really an offense. We just whenever we play games co op, it always devolves into chaos. Raymond yes. Legends or Origins, New mm-hmm. Super Mario Brothers, any game that has co-op where you're supposed to be working towards a goal inevitably turns into how can we destroy and push each other off the ledge as often as possible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the best example was my son and I, we, I, he got to an age where he could put together physics puzzles, so we started playing Portal 2. 
co-op. Oh man! And, and there's this done that man uh, that turned into a disaster. There's this level fairly early on where you have to go through these uh, containers that go up and down, up and down. One person has to go in them. The other person stands outside and hits the button. The first time he did it by accident and crushed my my Atlas robot. And the, the, he giggled and cackled. And it was quite an evil giggle and cackle. And then he did it again <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> and, at, and, and we we never. I just turned it off after ten minutes of just squish. <laughs> I was just like, I'm never like that. Playing. Is, that, is, that, is yeah. your son M. Joshua Collar? <laughs> yes, Jonathan had me when he was eight. Oh <laughs> God, not that old! My goodness gracious! How old, how old are you? You're thirty six. Thirty three. 33. Okay, you're two years older. So you had me when you were two. Yes. Works. Yes. <laughs> wow. Wow. We're, we're, possible. We're a strong man. The, the other one was uh, from earlier this year in June, and this was this this was a board game. And this uh-huh. one was very similar to uh, 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 I'm horrible with names. Uh, Nelson. Nelson, thank you with thank you with risk. Or that ever- one black dude in the screen <laughs> could also tell me that. <laughs> Gosh, have you ever heard of the board game Lifeboats? No, I, I okay. assume that's not really I, bad. I, no, actually, I think I have heard of it, but just in passing. Right, I will not bore you with the details of it, but essentially, it's like if you take survive the principle of Survivor, voting people off the boats as you're trying to race to island as they're sinking. That's the principle of it, and it's pretty much every man for himself. And lying and backstabbing is encouraged in this game. Yeah, that, and that doesn't sound like a recipe for family fun. Oh it my like good Monopoly. <laughs> but much more fast paced. I mean you yeah. can complete lifeboats in forty five minutes. Monopoly you could be at it all night. Yeah. But we, we actually started at ten PM and we didn't finish until three AM because oh, wow. we were so loud and yelling and screaming at each other, No, I'm voting you off this boat. No, we are doing no, you, me, and Alliance, we're gonna form up and we're gonna beat him and we no. Yeah, it's just we were yelling and screaming and oh, happening. Wow. And it, yeah, and we tried to. And the worst thing was, we were at a cabin, ten thousand feet up, no phone, very little, you know, barely any electricity, outhouse. So it would have been a perfect place to hide a body. <laughs> but it, it didn't come to that, thankfully. Well, 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 you, would, you would have been like Wild Man Ted and, and uh, turned off the game and <laughs> took care of business, huh? Took care oh, of business. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of taking care of business. <laughs> cool. All right, so um, Zach, how about you? What, what, how, when have you been particularly offended in a game? All right. I need to give you a bit of context. Okay. My family is a little crazy. We played Romance of the Three Kingdoms multiplayer on a console. Those take like 50 to 100 hours to finish by yourself. So we would basically play long games of Romance of the Three Kingdoms on my couch. Like just days on days on end. So in our family, there are some unwritten rules. First... Every single thing on the map needs to be conquered first before we can attack each other in any way, shape, or form. And then, second, you don't bribe each other's generals. That is the one other rule, and you don't get to mess around with everybody else's while you're developing. So, my brother, he bribed the greatest warrior in the land, whom I had recently got to my cause, Lu Bu. And Lu Bu is the strongest. You should not pursue him. He has 108 battle skill. <laughs> and he can crush anything in his path. But, on the other hand, he's also incredibly dumb. And he will switch <laughs> sides immediately upon being bribed or given money or any kind of reward from an opposing faction. I will give you one piece of cake. 
<laughs> Done. What, what, See what console was this on? You said this, this was on, on a console. This is the PlayStation 2 version. Okay. Cool. So you can probably guess what happened. Yeah, so... Uh, you took you care got... of business. No, I didn't take care of business. <laughs> because of my brother bribed Lubu and then proceeded to conquer the whole of the South. And, uh, <laughs> then we ended up in a Three Kingdoms stalemate, which is what happens when you play Romance of the Three Kingdoms. <laughs> yeah, wow. So what happened with... Uh, like, did you end up, like, biting your brother or anything like that? No. Oh. But I was not pleased. <laughs> and I was my father. House. So me and my father created an alliance... <laughs> Against the evils of my brother, who lived in the south, and eventually there was a there was a grand battle where all the greatest warriors in the three kingdoms were trapped behind enemy lines, and we executed every single one of my brother's generals. Wow! Wow! Including Lu Bu, Guan Yu, and all the heroes of the three kingdoms period so, who were trapped. So this is starting to sound like this, the story of Elijah, where he executed all the prophets of Baal yeah. down by the river. Sheesh. And at that <laughs> point, it, the game bail. turned into a stalemate, so there was really no finishing. <laughs> so we stopped. No. <laughs> Things like were shit. tense for a while. Though. That's awesome. Cool. So those are some really, really good stories. So my second question for today is, um, have you ever played a game that tried to deal with the subject of forgiveness? Like, yes. systemically or, or functionally? And so Jonathan has one, so go for it. Journey. Journey? How so? Journey, now, are you talking about just like in the in the narrative or something that communicates? Well, okay, yeah. Um, Journey, if you've ever played it, have you, have, have, I've not had my coffee yet, so forgive my stuttering there. <laughs> Is there anyone in this group that has not played Journey? I have not. I'm... Don't raise your okay. hand, you're on a podcast. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The, the basic premise of Journey is it's kind of th- – there's no narrative explicitly told. It's yeah. – you, you are – you explore this sand-ridden wasteland, that, which is very gorgeous. And you kind of get the story of the civilization, how they were created, how they rose to the pinnacle of their whatever. They tapped into something they shouldn't have, were destroyed, and then they realized that we should have been worshipping this sun-sandy thing. And that's where the that's where the story ends. And there's this big arc of forgiveness and redemption. No restoration, but redemption in the story. And that was a very it was it was told very elegantly and very very powerfully. Cool. And then you yeah. just and then you just repeated ad nauseum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I actually uh, I played through Journey maybe three times, uh, no four times, and I never actually personally got that because I was focused on other things in the game. But that's really cool that you picked it up. Um. So that's really, really good. Anyone else? Any uh, any times that you found like a video game that tried to deal with a subject of forgiveness? I'll go. Um, I'll go. Um, uh, one one that, that comes to my mind immediately off the bat is uh, the, the Metro series, uh, Metro 2033 and Metro Last Light. Um, and uh, the, the way that it deals, it's kind of a spoiler if I were to clearly lay it out, but um, the, the end of the first game um, results in the uh, annihilation uh, or the the uh, mass destruction of a uh, of a race of a, 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 a call them people of sorts um, and you don't realize that they're people necessarily at the time but you just like destroy like a race and uh, and the second game which is uh, Metro Last Light kind of starts to really deal with um, your character coming to terms with the fact that he was responsible for the destruction of this race and he finds the last remnant the very last person. Who's a part of this this uh, this race, and um, this character kind of has like this unmerited 
forgiveness for the main character that just kind of like it's weird. It doesn't quite sit with me because I don't feel like I am RTM, the main character. Um, but I, I definitely really, really appreciated the nuance of it. I wrote about it on Game Church. Um, but it's uh, the, the basic the basic idea of it is just that you your character is uh, forgiven and you just don't know what to do with it. So you're supposed to feel kind of like, oh, uh, what? Uh. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, as long as you're still talking about forgiveness and yeah, video yeah, games. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd say the latest storytelling hook, uh, that the latest storytelling trend I see in video games from the this perspective of video games in the Bible is not so much forgiveness of someone within the narrative, but forgiving yourself for the actions that you commit within the game. I think a perfect example of that is games like Papers, Please, mm. where it's sort of like you need to take care of your own family. You know, uh, your mother law, your mother in law died first, so that's okay. But now the rest of your family is <laughs> in danger. Yeah, and yeah. And, that's a really, really good answer. And, and sort of, it's this the situation it place the situations it places you in, in the as a. I'm so sorry. The situations it places you in, as a player and as a character, are personalized because for so long we've been laughing off video games as a medium as oh it's just a game. Now suddenly when we're starting to see storytelling decisions and it's sort of like, what are you going to do? Uh, this person needs life saving surgery in your country. But you need to buy, be able to buy the medicine to keep your uncle and even your mother-in-law alive. What do you do? Do you turn them away or do you let them in? Uh, even possibly at the detriment of your own life. Uh, games like Walking Dead where you have to – you yeah. have like 10 seconds. Do you have to chop off someone – do you chop off someone's leg and accept the consequences? Um, even games like Bioshock Infinite where the game is not explicitly about forgiveness. In fact, it's completely counter to that. Where yeah. at the end of the game, Booker takes the godlike figure Comstock. One, one, and, one, one quick, one quick point. Spoilers. Yes, <laughs> yes, spoilers. Spoilers uh, for those who haven't played Bioshock Infinite. Skip ahead thirty seconds if you have skip not. Skip ahead thirty Bioshock. seconds. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> at the end of Bioshock Infinite, where you take Comstock's head and he says it is finished, which is of course a throwback to Jesus. Yeah. And then you bash it in against the baptismal font, and then you drown him. You know, it's sort of like. Yeah more and more games are placing you in the position where you're not the good guy. You aren't just the almighty hero anymore. Can you forgive yourself for the actions that you commit as a player? And so I look at that quite a bit from the perspective of video games in the Bible, and it's an interesting trend, but uh, it's honestly something we haven't seen before, and it would be interesting to see how it affects affects players, especially young players, uh, moving on where you know instead of stories about on golden eye where you had to forgive a friend it's sort of like man i had to deal with i was playing the walking dead at 10 and i had to deal with forgiving myself for letting my favorite character die because he wasn't useful in a firefight yeah 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 let me ask you a quick question because i've never played papers please though i should uh i'm just very curious how is the is it uh just an internal forgiveness or is there like an actual mechanic in the game uh, that t- that tells you you need to be able to forgive yourself. All the things I'm talking about, it's in a, a completely internal. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. It's implicit. So it is definitely a thing where it's sort of like you look at yourself the next day and they're like, hey, how was your new game? Oh, well, um, <laughs> uh, talking about that, uh, I let a cancer patient die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> not the best stories coming away from that. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Ooh, M. Josh, I forgot a game that deals with forgiveness. 
Oh, go for it. Silent Hill 2. Sorry, I just had to throw that in there. Yeah, isn't that like the game above forgiveness? I have no idea. It is, actually. I I can't believe I forgot that one. That's my number one game of all time, and I completely forgot about it. Okay, anyway, (laughs) I'm done. Because I talk about every podcast I get a chance. No, that's that's okay. If you can just, like, quickly illustrate how it deals with forgiveness, because that's what I want to get at. Okay, if you've never played Silent Hill 2... Spoilers. Yeah, this is... If you have not played Silent Hill 2, skip ahead 30 seconds, because this is massive spoiler. Yes. In the game, you play a character named James Sunderland, who received a note from his wife saying that she's waiting for him in Silent Hill in their special place. Only problem is, she's been dead three years. You go there and find out at through the end of the story that James actually is the one who killed his wife. And Silent Hill pretty much manifests his own little purgatory, his own punishment. Okay. The pyramid head, the nurses, everything in there is indicative of the self-torture of himself. And at the very end of the game, he has to forgive himself. And how the player interacts with uh, like the picture of Mary, uh, the kind of demon one, that kind of version of Mary that shows up in the game – all affects the ending of the game, whether Harry ends up killing himself, whether he gets a second chance, so on and so forth. Yeah. And actually, if you get all of the endings, you get the secret ending where it turns out it was a dog, dog. messing with your mind the entire the time. <laughs> I love the dog ending. It's so much fun. <laughs> That's awesome. So those, those are some actually really, really good examples. And Nelson, I really appreciate you for, for bringing up the, uh, the self-forgiveness. And Ted is raising his hand. So, Ted, go ahead. My hand is raised. But, but you're on a podcast. Well, but... but Joshua could see it. So um, I got one. Brother's Tale of Two Sons. The, uh, younger, uh, uh, the yeah. younger brother needs forgiveness for his mother's death yes. because he watched her drown. And it is because of that experience that he has that phobia of water throughout the game and has to rely on his brother to get through any kind of water level. Mm. Yeah, no, that that's one? actually a really, really, really good one, and and I'm not gonna, I don't want to spoil what happens at the end of the game, because what's at the game at the end of the game really ties ties uh, that all together in, in a really, really, really powerful mechanical way, uh, yeah. which I think is great. Yeah, so, I teared up at the end of that game. That was a, that was a powerful game. Anybody else cry? I I totally cried at the end of Brothers. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, it's, actually, it was beautiful. Actually, I thought it was okay. I know this could be an, unpo- an unpopular opinion, but no, you know, this fine. is Brothers in Christ. You guys are only going to take care of business later on in the day. <laughs> um, I actually thought that Brothers Tale of Two Sons was overhyped because I yeah, played through it the was, game. Well, it was totally overhyped, but the, the thing is when I played it, it wasn't overhyped. And that probably significantly affected my perception as a dirty, dirty hipster. Um, um. <laughs> <laughs> but, awesome. Uh, I, I do, I do mean, I do mean that. Like uh, when it when it got like the, the Spike TV Award for Best Video Game of the Year, that was pretty much when it like went over the the, the top of the hype train. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the uncanny <But>, valley. <laughs> the uncanny yeah. valley. Yes. Uh, yeah. For me, it was sort of like uh, I saw it was. I thought it was a neat story. It was an interesting way of telling it with single player co op. Yeah, yeah. As you could call it, but I I didn't really wasn't really into it actually, but. Portal actually does have an explicit tale of forgiveness uh, from the first one, you know, still alive to now I only want you gone. And uh, at the end of the game, spoilers, GLaDOS forgives you. Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, does Carolyn she really? Then, sort yeah, of. she's, she's sort Carolyn of. and then she deletes Carolyn from her mainframe and to tell you that you're, you guys are still buddies, at least that's my interpretation. She throws out the companion cube when she leaves you in the middle. I thought it was because killing you is hard. It's easier just to let you go. Exactly. But then she threw out the companion cube, which means that you guys are still like buddy friends. 
Oh, okay. I forgot about the companion cube at the end. Okay, cool. All right. Awesome. Well spotted. Well I'll spotted. I have to think about that one. One, uh, one other thing that I was thinking about as Nelson was bringing up the, the whole aspect of self-forgiveness, because I think that that's actually sometimes a little bit more powerful, because we, uh, especially as Christians, I think that we tend to forget to, to allow ourselves to be forgiven um, and, and actually, like, like stay in forgiveness in Christ. Um, for me personally, I know that at least for me personally, but uh, that's why I really identified with the Dishonored Knife of, D- Knife of Dunwall DLC, which was um, specifically about you playing as Dowd. Um, who was the assassin who, at the very, very beginning of Dishonored, kills the Empress. What? Yeah. Huh. yeah. I've never played Dishonored. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, it's, 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 <laughs> well, the, very, it's the very, very, very... It's very okay. I don't care if you spoil it for me. We can call this a spoiler cast. Yeah, that's what I was <laughs> thinking. Spoiler, you watch we, we, we've, been, we've been pretty spoilery so far, but... Um, but yeah, I think we, we need to set game. up... I'm sorry, we need to set up some sort of rule, like, when does a spoiler become a spoiler? Like, there needs... Yeah, that's actually a pretty good, pretty good. Uh, You've had a chance. Tools. All right, go ahead. Yeah, no, that, that's good. That's good. Um, but yeah, so, uh, but yeah, in Dishonored, you play as Dowd, who is the assassin who killed the Empress, which is why Corvo is dishonored. Um, <laughs> and uh, but but by playing as Dowd, you basically become uh, in the position of control because Dowd is is having this this existential crisis of, wait, I, I I've killed lots of people, but there's something there's something about killing the emperors that just really messes messes with him because uh, he because he knows that she was a she was like a pretty good woman or something um and so you as a player get to decide which path do i pursue as doubt do i pursue the redemptive path or do i just go full douche <laughs> that's, a great, that's, that's a very christian way of describing it full i know which side i would go with <laughs> I know which side Zachary would go with. <laughs> yeah, kill all the things. And then he'd write a theology gaming blog about it. Yeah, kill yeah. all the things. Yeah. That'd be my choice. But um, it, it's, it's also really cool because it, it, it pans over to um, the second the second part of the D, the second DLC, which is the Bring More Witches. And the, the, the Knife of Dunwall Bring More Witches is actually one full campaign. And you just see how it all ties together and brings resolution in the very end. And could or could not resolve uh, the character arc of of Doubt, which I, I really, really, really appreciate how they did it, because it's it's probably my, one of my favorite DLC campaigns uh, in any game. What do you well, play as in that, that second one? Oh, you're still, you're still Doubt. You're still Doubt oh, the way through. Oh. Uh, Knife of Dunwall, Brigmore, which is it's just one continuous campaign, essentially. Gotcha. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, so... Uh, the the reason why I wanted to bring up forgiveness as a uh, mechanic or and in, in, in bringing and in, in contrasting it with um, our own experiences as as players of games is because I really wanted to see um, if you guys had a lot of positive experiences with forgiveness as a systemic uh, function within games and I think that you guys have given some really really great examples we as a group came together with some really good ones uh, my 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 last question for today is more along the lines of uh, where would you like to see games go with the subject of forgiveness and how it relates to the gospel? And uh, maybe maybe actually give a, a little bit of, of your take on how you perceive forgiveness in relationship to the gospel. I know that's a little bit too broad. Uh, all right. More specifically, first we'll just start with <laughs> – sorry. So we'll just first start with um, how would you describe forgiveness in relationship to the gospel? I think that whenever I post anything, I always try to give my one or two sentence summary of the gospel, that the gospel is the good news that for God's glory, Christ died for our sins, was resurrected so that we might move from death to life. As 
as a as a game mechanic or as a, or as a narrative element, forgiveness you have to realize that Christ has forgiven you of sins you have committed, ones you are committing, and ones you will commit in the future. I think that the key is is to develop some type of narrative, whether it's t- tuned into the mechanics or not, like Papers, Please, or whether it's strictly told through cutscenes, like, say, I don't know, an Uncharted game. Yeah. It, is to be able to communicate the, the fact that you, A, realize you need the forgiveness and that it's not just you becoming at one with yourself or at peace with who you are. That, then, you, then you become like Jesse Pinkman in Breaking Bad. I'm okay with being the villain. No, it's really not okay. It's, it's, it's fine for a TV show because we need the villain, but in in real life, that's no, not 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 the real thing. So, if you could find a way to tackle those two things, that would probably be my way of looking at it. Okay, yeah, I'm done. That's good. So someone else, I want to hear from someone else. Your, your, your description of forgiveness from a Christian perspective or from a gospel perspective or from a Bible, however you want to put it. See, Jonathan swoops in and then he says, I'm going to give you a succinct explanation and then nobody can say anything else. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. He does, he does pretty good with a succinct. So, um, all right, Zachary, verbose, go. I don't know what else to say. Uh, okay, new rule. I always go last. Yeah, because then you're good at summarizing what. All right. So, how about I'll, I'll provide some context for more of a question. So, Jesus gives this crazy parable about the uh, the the forgiven man who then goes and takes a uh, one of the guys who owes him money and flips out on him. I'm probably oh, the I'm money not, lender. The money lender. Yeah. So there's uh, this guy who owes the king like billions of dollars practically and can never repay it and the king says you're forgiven and then he goes and leaves the leaves the king's chambers goes and finds the guy who owes him like 30 grand and says give me all the money now or i'm gonna kill you and uh and then the king finds out about this and throws the man who he had once forgiven back into jail mm-hmm. and so from a from a practical forgiveness perspective it seems like the story has something to do with if we're forgiven, then we have to forgive others. Yeah. Uh, I, I think games are usually about murdering everything. I know, I know. <laughs> I, I know. And it, uh, That's often like the exact opposite. Is, like Shadow of Mordor, vengeance is the theme. <laughs> well, uh, and often in games, um, because players, we as players, we're, we are, uh, as the Bible says, you know, that we are, of course, we're beings that have a fallen nature. So I. I always get, and it sort of bothers me when I talk to people about, for example, playing a Skyrim or Fallout type game. And I don't usually play games like that too much uh, these days. But when I I talk to other people who have, they're like, oh, yeah, uh, I murdered someone. And so then the guard came and talked to me and I paid the fine. And I was like, okay, that's great. Then I (laughs) killed him and then took the fine back, plus all of his armor. (laughs) It's just sort of like... I think that's necessary. awesome. <laughs> I love it. Video game You're language the, doesn't translate to Christian language very well. I think not often, but I think that as a rule, like we're seeing a lot of a lot of exceptions for that. I, th- I think the best game designs are really things that tie everything together, and I think the one place where video games really they can show immediacy really well. You shoot someone, they die. Someone punches you in the face, you lose health points. Uh, yeah. Someone gives you a fine, you get ticked off, and then you follow them back to their home and murder them for the Dark Brotherhood. That is, <laughs> that's immediacy right there. But what they aren't good at is showing the negative consequences because everybody wants to have, quote, unquote, fun. 
You know, it's fun to murder uh, people and do whatever you want. And so necessarily when if the player does something bad like that, if they were suddenly struck from a, with, with a lightning bolt from heaven, that wouldn't be quote unquote fun anymore. I think yeah. what we're really what we're really seeing as a medium, which is absolutely amazing, is that we're finally seeing games where it's like, okay, the fact that you did something wrong, consequences. It's it's being you're being confronted with it. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay for you to not feel like you're having fun because it is necessary, just as a human, to know the difference between right and wrong. The fact that we're seeing right and wrong depicted more often in games, I think, is absolutely amazing. I think yeah. even then, because so often we're being shown right and wrong from a relativistic standpoint instead of a concrete standpoint such as the Bible, um, I think until more Christians get into the game industry, uh, start making their own stuff uh, that is different than you know what we see in the traditional in- uh, game industry, putting new wine into new wineskins, new game designs instead of old, uh, new wine into old wineskins where it's just going to be shoehorned in. Until yeah. we start doing that, we aren't really going to see the type of stories that we need to see and that are going to have an effect on this world. That's good. Uh, and w- w- while you were talking about consequences, uh, the first thing that came to my mind personally was the first season of Walking Dead. Um, and specifically how, uh, towards the end of the game, all of your decisions are con- – you're confronted with all of your decisions, good or bad. And they're all – you know, it's kind of the, the thing with The Walking Dead is that all your decisions are kind of gray areas. Um, and – ultimately just make you sound like a terrible person no matter what you pick in that game. But do you think that that, that accurately depicts what you were talking about as far as con- consequences, or do you think it can go... Obviously, it can go a lot further, but does, does that get at a little bit of what you're talking about, do you think? I think, yeah, that's one of the things that we're moving towards as an industry, and I think, at least for forgiveness in video games, uh, especially since so many of them are not being written from a Christian mindset, I know personally for video games in the Bible, it's like I see... A trend in the industry is we want to see diversity, and we want to see that in our game designs and in our games. So, for example, for women, we're seeing women with uh, deflated chest sizes and inflated personalities, uh, bigger personalities, and that's absolutely great. At the same time, every Christian you see in a game is either a psychopathic maniac at worst or at best. Uh, completely irrational crazy who's uh, just seen as, you know, you might want to stay from him, Jimmy. Um, <laughs> like that one creepy weird dude that in the park. It's like... Um, can can I, you give I, any examples of Christian depictions in games? Or creepy weird dudes in parks. Half-Life <laughs> 2, uh, The Father in Ravenholm. You've got the... Uh, let's see. Comstock in Bioshock Infinite. We've got Father Matthias in... Um, Tomb Raider, which I wrote five articles about just the Solari religion and how it depict and how it mirrors the Christian religion in so many ways. Huh. Like Himiko, she was a uh, this is lore, lore. This is not spoilers. Right. Yeah. Himiko, she was the queen of uh, Yamatai, and she was raising up a successor who, you know, just like Jesus, it was like um, when she would look at her successor, it was like looking in a mirror. Uh, Himiko was seen as this all-powerful pow- all deity who needed to be resurrected in this new form that, that looked just like her. And this replacement, instead of take- becoming the replacement, ended up uh, committing suicide. And so, skipping to modern day, this man of uh, shipwrecks on the island by- is stripped on the island by the spirit of Himiko and begins to build up this religion around the Solari and such. And I wrote five articles about it on videogamesandbottle.com, but really, 
What's the name Most of this game again? Uh, the new Tomb Raider, the Tomb Raider reboot. Oh, okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah, I probably should have mentioned that before I went into a dad trap, shouldn't I? <laughs> that's okay, that's okay. I, mean, I got it, I got it. It was sounding familiar. I'm just like, wait a second, I played this game. What game is Oh, it's Tomb Raider. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like we're moving towards diversity in the ministry, but I think it's really pseudo-diversity because uh, if you're a Christian, you're seen as you know a little bit off-base at best. But if you have any other uh, opinion or religious uh, belief, then it's seen as more respectable to have that. And, um, yeah, I think we need true diversity in the game industry. And I think I say that as an African-American who my race doesn't define me, but my belief in Jesus Christ does. And when I see the depictions all around me in the media, when I look on the news, I see – uh, immoral hypocrites. When I look on the TV, I see immoral thieving hypocrites. And when I look in the video game, I see psychopathic murderers. It's like, as a Christian, a diversity in games is about seeing people like you in a game. And when the people like you are evil, what what is that giving? What what sort of message is that giving to the next to the next generation? How about how about the rest of you guys? I'm curious. Have, can any of the rest of you guys think of any any depictions of Christians in video games? Because um the first thing I can think of some, but none, none, none that are really uplifting, per se. <laughs> uh, I, I interrupted you, M. Josh. Finish, finish your thought there, buddy. Okay, so, uh, I mean, like, when I think of, like, diversity in video games, uh, the, verse, the first, and Christianity, the very first thing that comes to my mind is uh, Ryan Green um, and Josh Larson um, yes. of uh, Bad Dragon Cancer. Um, and just how, um, even in the most, most progressive... Uh, of, uh, of of game sites are are just head over heels for this for these guys what they're making and uh, just the fact that it's completely transparent in in its Christian depiction of uh, an autobiography about Ryan really um, as as a Christian man uh, so I, I really find that fascinating that everyone seems to be super duper receptive to that. Um, Obviously, it's not done yet, and and it does have the the the, the additional hook of um, uh, an empathy game from a uh, cancer standpoint. So a lot of people can very quickly relate to that. But I still think that that as a uh, industry transition point is going to be really, 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 really big big thing um, for everybody, just because it's gonna it's gonna change what people think of as games. Um, I don't I don't remember who I was listening to recently, but someone was talking about how they they see that as the um, the the uh, sorry I'm, my, my my mind is completely blanking out the Mel Gibson uh, Jesus movie what, why is my brain not working uh, the, the Passion, passion of, the of the Christ yeah the Passion of the Christ they see that as the Passion of the Christ for the game industry um, which I think I think might be uh, also overhyping it um, just a little bit <laughs> just a little bit just <laughs> but you might not like as a hipster you know you might not want to play the game anymore. No, no, no. I'm a, I, <laughs> I am a hipster, which means that I am not a hipster, which also means that I can say all sorts of things about being a hipster. Anyway, uh, <laughs> neither, neither – sorry, that was unnecessary. Uh, <laughs> but funny, all good, but very funny. <laughs> so wait, so a hipster does not admit that he's a hipster? Yeah, absolutely. That's, okay. that's, that is empirically true. Until um, he's around his hipster friends, in which case they have a secret code where they all wear skinny jeans. <laughs> and scarf attack so anyway um the, 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 the store fury 
I think I lost it. I honestly don't know where the podcast is going now. Uh, well, let, let, me, let me see if I can bring you back a little bit here. Yes, I'm please Josh. do, Jonathan. All right, okay. I am seceding all my power to Jonathan. Go. Oh, jeez. That's, that's a dangerous thing to do. I know, right? I, I think – I, th- I think what Nelson says is is right on the dot. I th- I when you look, I remember um, Jim Sterling over at the Escapist did uh, did a series when when um, when inclusivity was the buzzword before uh, this is well before GamerGate broke out, and everyone was praising Saints Row Four for being one of the most inclusive games currently made because you could be anybody, anything, any gender, any. Uh, transgender anything you could possibly ever want and that was great that was wonderful because it was so inclusive i think and and as nelson rightly pointed out you have a situation where you have people who are not followers of the faith they're not followers of christ and they're making games that for one way or another justify and not there's no other really way to put this that justify their own sinful existence that justify their own sinful choices and I think that's a lot of what you see. And until we have people making games that tell a story, and that's the other thing is we have to tell a story. You can't make a game that beats you over the head. That that tells you, you know, like you're you're in a good Southern Baptist church preaching hellfire and brimstone. That's not that's not the way Jesus worked. Good. That's you not a game that takes care of business. Quotes. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm sorry. Say that. Yeah, we need the game that takes care of business. Like my my. Side rabbit hole. My dream game for people who who t- say video games are evil, horrible, and violent. I'm like, I'm going to make an iOS game and an Android game based on the Old Testament story of the gal whose name just completely went out of my head who drove Tamar. a tent peg. Yeah, Tim. Oh, oh no, 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 jail, jail, jail. Who drove the tent peg through the general's head? And all the game is going to be is you tap on the screen as fast as possible <laughs> to drive the tent peg in harder and faster, and maybe his head will explode if you go fast enough. Bum, 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 and you know what? It'll be, totally, it'll be totally biblical. Totally biblical. Uh, There's a song written about her. Oh, ooh, who? Oh, I'm gonna have to look that up. Okay, so my my point is this: no, is, it's in the Bible. It's called. It literally comes in the next chapter. It's it's uh. It, it's uh, really. I believe it. Yeah, the, I believe the title is "Most Blessed Among Women" is Jail, who okay. drove a, who drove Shit. a tent peg through uh, Cicero's head. Uh, <laughs> um, Half Handed you know Cloud has a has a really happy puppy version of it that that, that I'm going to link link in the comments. I, I lead worship at my church on Sunday, so I'm going to pick that. We're going to we're going to make some music and we're going to sing that song on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, what I, my question is like, what sort of beat do you put to that? Like, <laughs> most blessed among women is jail. Actually, no, no, no. That's way too down tempo. That's way too down tempo. Tempo. I'll actually link to it in the comments, and so you can all listen to it. But the but so the point I'm trying to make is is like you want you have what's called I mean you have a story in the Bible there's 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 a four act to it if you want to if you want to break it down into acts you have creation fall redemption and restoration and restoration is something that I think most video games miss and I think that's one of the biggest things that we need to tell a story of because we see how we see the creation in the beginning of the game we see the fall of the character and then we see how they're redeemed just like in journey you see the redemption but then what happens at journey you go back to the beginning and you relive the game over and over and over and over again there's no restoration there's no moving forward there's no working of the holy spirit or christ in your life to help you grow and become more like christ there's nothing like that in games there's we we wrap up the story with neat little bows have a little bit of falling action and then we're done that's but. where I think a lot of Christian storytelling needs to improve in video games is instead of trying to beat people over the head and fall in love with our own preaching of the gospel, tell a story that is authentic, that people can relate to, and show the restoration. Don't just so, 
yeah, do, I'm sorry. Do, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm totally interrupting you. Um, so do, you need to. I talk way too much. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> it's good. Uh, so do you like personally my, my immediate in, inclination for that? If you're going to tell a story about personal like actual redemptive stories, you have to do testimonies. You have to do actual people's personal experiences because i mean i mean and, and that of course comes back to the, the the bible verse that i think of in revelations where it says they were saved by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony mm-hmm. and there's an aspect of our own testimony that like we have to be reminded sometimes by telling our own testimony mm-hmm. of how god has saved us in the here and now the other uh, thing to remember with testimonies is is a lot of the times it's great. I love hearing testimonies because I appreciate as a Christian, I, I can appreciate how God has saved these people. The other thing you have to remember is like, you know, just like with marriage counseling, people go to counseling for different reasons. There can be, there, there, there can be communication issues. There can be sexual issues. There can be any number of things that can cause strife in a marriage. So what one counselor might do for another might not work for another. So one story about an individual who recovered from a life on the street or drug abuse or sex trafficking or anything that you can imagine may not hold true for me. And I'll be like, great, that's a cool story, but that doesn't speak to me. So I, I think we need, like I think Nelson said, we, we need a diversity in representation and stories. We need to have as many stories as we can tell in different scenarios. And that's what uh, I would like to see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I remember when I was a teenager, everyone was always trying, everyone wanted that uh, drug dealer story that I used to be a drug dealer and I used to snort coke off of a, off of <laughs> train rails and now Jesus <laughs> saved me from that. But no, I'm I'm not joking. That's like what people. Well, I remember wanting to have a story like that because that seemed like that was the best kind of Christian no, story. You don't want exactly. One of my pastor friends, Charlie Charlie Klein, says uh, that he's like, I have that story, and I wish that I had your story of being faithful through my life and not mm-hmm. not doing that because I think that that honestly, like, just having that longevity and and consistency is actually a better story. I think um, that you can get into arguments about being able to be receptive and open to the Holy Spirit because you're looking for him in a grand, miraculous conversion story rather than listening to him on, on a daily basis. But that's a whole other podcast. And, um, and honestly, and, and honestly, a lot, of, a lot of the diversity stories – like for me, my, my, my uh, greater emphasis of my conversion story was just me being in a bedroom asking for the Holy Spirit to come into me and not knowing what the heck I was talking about. And that was like the big thing for me as opposed to like – I was a sinner and I needed grace and all those things. And like I, I prayed the sinner's prayer at a puppet show when I was 10, but that wasn't the cool story for me. The cool story for me was who I changed into after I, after the Holy Spirit came into my life. So and you started wearing puppet skinny show jeans. wasn't cool. <laughs> That's what and, and what wasn't cool? The puppet show? The pu- no, the puppet show was not cool. No, it wasn't. The- <laughs> The worst thing about the puppet show was the fact that, like, they said after if you if you decide to follow Jesus, then follow us into this room. And I'm like, I don't want anyone to know that I started following Jesus. Screw that. And then when they all came out with lollipops, I was pissed off. Oh man, I was like, I totally missed out on the lollipops. Jesus in bribery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as far That's as awesome to be the devil playing the devil's advocate here, which uh, you will lose. By doing so, <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's why I'm doing it in the first place. Um, as far as restoration in video games, it is definitely a thing where you know, as Zach said, you know, sort of like Shadow of Mordor. It's like vengeance. I will enslave your entire people to feel better about myself. <laughs> I'm fine with that, though. I, maybe I'm just the weird one. Well, that's no, because no, it's, you just associate with, with narrative so yeah, much. Yeah, and also I'm kind of like with this cleavage between the 
mechanical elements of the game and the narrative. And sometimes they kind of dovetail together, but most often they kind of don't. <laughs> or they're it's so definitely, blatantly absurd that it doesn't really matter. It, it's it's definitely a fun game, but what I was uh, trying to say was, it, I'm not criticizing that, but what I'm saying is, as far as restoration in games go, that's definitely something that is so deep that, first of all, um, the spirit that is in you has to be the ones to allow you to even do that in the first place. If you're doing that, if God isn't the one, if isn't the spirit behind that, then you aren't going to do it the way it needs to be done. And uh, second, you would need to structure your design around it. So unless, for example, you even had Christians in uh, advisory capacities saying, you know, this is what a Christian is like, this is what we believe, this is how we should be depicted. And um, or even in a leadership capacity in a game, unless you structure your game around restoration, then it isn't. It's going to feel shoehorned in because obviously, unless yeah. the gospel or restoration or anything ties into every aspect of the design, a, an unbelieving world doesn't want to hear it at all. So unless it is integral to the game's design, it's going to feel shoehorned in whatever you do. Yeah, it's I like what John. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Ted. Go ahead, Ted. I've spoken way too much. You go, Ted. It's uh, as and I was. I was going to expound on a little bit of Jonathan's importance of a good story. If you are a storyteller, uh, Tolkien and Lewis are two of my favorite writers, and both of them always said you have to have a good story. If you don't have a good story, it's it's a waste of, of time when you're a writer. So I think that can apply if you're a game designer. You have to <laughs> – if you're writing a game that is based on a good story then uh, or on a story, it does have to be a good one. To hold people's yeah. interest, and depending on the story, is is where you can put in allegory. Although they both would probably hate that word, uh, but I know Tolkien you, would. <laughs> yes, but but yet it's there where you can yeah. see little glimpses of Christ or of forgiveness or of redemption and that sort of thing. And you're so captured by the story that you're more open to these concepts than. Uh, than the, like we said, shoehorn, for yeah. sure. Yeah, like a good example would be Breaking Bad. Like that show, if that was show was a Christian show, it would have ended at the pilot. Because, <laughs> well, actually, because Walter White would have gotten the news that he's dying of cancer. This isn't the pilot, so this doesn't count as spoilers. He, he gets the news, he's dying of terminal cancer, he's got a few months to live, and he'd be like, okay, God will provide, I'm in, he is in control, God is great, I don't have to be in control, and the show would have ended. <laughs> and I'm sorry, but uh, uh, you know, if you were going to do a show like that, Christians would make really darn boring shows. We would. If, 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 we, if they were the perfect Christian, it would be the most boring person in the world. That's still, to this day, one of my favorite Christian characters on TV is Ned Flanders. But that's a whole other side subject for, an, for, for another time. I, I, I think that is also um, inherently the sort of thing you're talking about is sort of the whole Sunday school mindset that we think that stories need to sort of have, oh, well, Jesus came into my life and then good stuff happened. Or Jesus yeah. came into my life yeah, so that no. now there's no problems at the end where, as we know as Christians, <laughs> that that is completely different. It, stuff goes crazy. Honestly, it gets harder in some actually, ways. Actually, yeah. one of my, one of my things is. that I, I want to bring up, that, that's one of my personal favorite things lately, is uh, how much of a, uh, how much of the Gospels is about Peter screwing up? Think about that. How much, no, seriously, think about it. How much of the, of the Gospels, okay. of all four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is depicting Peter completely screwing up? Falling into the water, uh, chopping off people's ears. Um, 
taking care of business. Him. Jesus having to call him, say, get behind me, Satan, lying in his general direction. Lot. Yeah, lying, <laughs> denying even Jesus. It, even so, later on, it talks about uh, Peter, you know, for example, shunning the Gentiles when he was around right. Jews. Yeah, exactly. Is- so, and this is, and the reason why these stories are so significant, why are they so significant? Because Peter was the biggest name in the church. He would be bigger than, he'd be the Billy Graham of our day, if not bigger. You know what I mean? And the reason why this is so huge and the reason why so much of his failure stories are in the Gospels is because people – so people can know that this is – this is the person that Jesus picks, the people who screw up a lot and are willing – and make a lot of mistakes. These are the people who, who God wants to be on his side <laughs> um, and specifically invests in are, yeah, are the people who make sure. – and 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 the big the second biggest name the uh the not Billy Graham what yeah the other the other Billy Graham of the Franklin day Franklin Graham <laughs> the Franklin Graham Paul Robertson from Duck Dynasty Paul Roberts was was Paul just Paul oh Paul um, okay. but um and Paul of course was known for killing Christians so, Billy Sunday <laughs> the point oh the moral gosh. of of the gospel story from my, my perspective from a broad reading uh, literary perspective is that the gospel is about us as screwballs being the people that Jesus wants on his side and uses most em- empa- em- empowered uh, and significantly to the story at large. Um, well, and Jonathan just busted out his... Well, no, Ted was playing with his, so I was going to play with mine. I was going to pass a link cable <laughs> oh. to the computer. So we could is, play that, is that a DS? No, it's a, no, it's a Game Boy SP. And this, this is this is what happens when 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 uh, one of us goes on a monologue. The rest of us start busting out our our game consoles. <laughs> so three people are currently holding their Game Boy Advance SDs. <laughs> I was just playing a little Mario Kart while y'all were talking. Dusty man. So actually, I think that that is a great place to end. We have we have hit our uh, we have crossed over the threshold of our hour mark. Yeah. And, and I barely talked. Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it when Zachary shuts up. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> and I talked too much. Yay! Well, I'm, I'm glad. Blowing I'm glad things that we got up. a lot of yeah, blowing things up. I'm glad that we got some a lot of uh, to hear a lot from Nelson today. So don't feel even remotely bad that you talked a lot. Um, I'm glad. That, uh, no, I'm serious. I'm, I'm really really glad that we have Nelson on the show. I. Uh, when I found your site, Video Games in the Bible, I was like, well, why didn't we be already – why aren't we already friends? Uh, so I'm glad that you're here. Why and uh, we I think that we all had a, a lot of great input on the subject of forgiveness and what video, video games can become in the future. Um, and I think that that's, uh, those are very broad subjects that will continue to grow with time. So we might visit this like at another another later date. And I, think I approve of Nelson being on this podcast. Yes. I, not that I have any control or say in it whatsoever, but just, just so it's there. You have the cleanest microphone, so that means that you have the strongest <laughs> voice. The strongest voice, that's true. I do have one question for all of you. Did Matt Eiler die? Um, Matt, I'm are you still here? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I didn't think that either went away. I think that Matt is, is a very um, thoughtful person who responds at the right times. Which would be now. Yeah, I... I uh... Uh, if anything, I just wanted to speak more. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was making sure you were alive because I didn't want a yeah. death on the podcast. You know, that, I, I, that was the mood. I can see uh, it on the well, headlines: Theology okay. Gaming Podcast member of podcast dies during podcast. It takes sixty <laughs> seconds for. It only time to notice. His children come into the room. We're like, Daddy. <laughs> 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 what would be even worse is if like. 
Ted or Jonathan took care of business to make sure that they could have more time. <laughs> All I'm saying is that would totally be a five-star review. Oh, oh. guys, Matt's dead. Disconnect him from the call so he can play. <laughs> so um, uh, uh, tune in next time for the uh, Theology Gaming Podcast uh, as we discuss the – I have no idea what we're going to discuss next. I was just going to try to make it up. I did terrible. So thank you so much for listening. Um, if, you, if you're listening at home, uh, t- tell your pets all about, all about listening to this show. Um, give us a 6.3 star rating if you can. Um, and – or five, and, whatever. And remember no, to take care of your mother-in-law, even if you don't want to. Yes, take care of your mother-in-law, <laughs> even if you don't want to, especially when you're playing papers, please. Man, that's and some life advice, huh? That, that is, is good that advice. That is very, very but, good life advice because you have no idea what it's like dealing with uh, the loss of a, of a mother-in-law. Um, it's, it's, it's not fun. So, oh, God, I feel bad now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you plan on committing a crime, bring two trash bags, not one. Yeah, I'm just and you speak you speak of this from personal experience. (laughs) And uh, I have a spoiler (laughs) alert. I have a spoiler alert. Um, Super Uh Mario Brothers Two is really a dream. (laughs) It's all a dream. (laughs) Just like Lost, right? Yeah, (laughs) it is. Was not a dream. Only the only the crossverse flash sideway things in the final season were dreams. That that's what they want you to believe. Yeah, I I thought that that was the real story. All no. I know is the guy who plays Jacob in that show also plays Lucifer in Supernatural. So oh. I, just, I just I just find that interesting. I just put the two together. Just no, very no, no. Funny. I just realized something. What? We all what? grew up in the same orphanage. <laughs> <laughs> That's my spoiler. Uh, what is that a reference to? Final Fantasy VIII. Oh. Yes? yes? Am I right? <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Although <laughs> So thanks again for listening, and we love you guys. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye, Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.